Galatians 6, 2, and uh, Galatians 6, 2, all the way through verse 5. Galatians, the sixth chapter, second verse to the fifth verse. The word of God reads, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Two burdens. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the assigned burdens of the church. The title is, is The Assigned Burdens, with an S, of the church. Keep your finger there. We're going to come back to that. Give me Acts, the second chapter. I want to set this up a little differently today than I normally would. Acts, the second chapter. Acts 2, verses 41 through 47. Verse 41 through 47. Then they that gladly received his word, the gospel, amen, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted to them, uh, parted to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. That word means singleness, art, that word means purity, no hypocrisy, no deceitfulness. Amen? They were real with each other. Amen? No doubleness, no double-minded, no two agendas. Amen? They were clear. They were visible. They were easily seen. I know you. I can tell where you're coming from. Amen? A gospel hit so hard that the people were like, you know what? I ain't trying to be fake in front of you. I ain't got time for that. Let me be real with you. Amen? Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Back in the day of the early church, there was worship, there was singing, there was fellowship, and it was not done in a church building like this. Okay? I need you to understand that. It was done in homes. They fellowshiped from house to house. In fact, uh, it took 200 years for them to erect a regular church building. When people would say, come to church, that would normally mean come to the church, meet the people. Amen? Meet, meet, you know, me and my house, they're going to have church over here. There's 3,000 souls, so they we're not in a building, so the churches were spread out in a community, in a neighborhood. Amen? Amen? Uh, 
So this is 200 years after Pentecost before we really see the first erected church building. People lived near each other, and they witnessed to each other in, in communities that were close together. Nobody hopped on the freeway to go to church. Nobody hopped on the freeway to go to worship. I stepped outside my house, and I walked into my neighbor's house and had church. Amen? The church wasn't separated and isolated. They did real life together. They did everything together. There was a real sense of, watch this, a dependence on God and dependence on each other. Let me say it again. There was a real sense of dependence on God and dependence on each other. Now, times have changed and technology allows us to travel further distances. We travel in, you know, all over the place. Traveling has gotten a serious upgrade. You got megachurch pastors that fly from service to service from different states. You got folks that, you know, travel on freeways and get on trains and all kinds of things like that. We, we have travel upgrade now, if you will. Amen? We have conveniences now that allow us to be more spread out. But with all these conveniences, it seems like society as a whole has lost its sense of community dependence. We're all here, but everyone seems to be fending for themselves. Notice that? Now, as far as the world is concerned, I'm not surprised by that because the world goes in the way that the world should. However, I am surprised that the church finds itself following that same pattern. Something's wrong. Then you throw in this pandemic that we just got out of. And it would seem that the church is drifting further and further apart from each other. There's an unhealthy distance that has crept into the church. We're all really, really, really busy. And that's not a horrible thing in and of itself. It's not a horrible thing in and of itself to be busy. But if it keeps us away from our divine duties and responsibilities, then I would say that there needs to be an adjustment in our priorities. Amen? It's not good that conveniences have caused us to be separated, isolated, not dependent on each other. I'm too busy for you. You're too busy for me. I see you once a week. I don't check in on you. I don't know how you're doing. I don't know how life is going for you. I don't know what you're struggling with. I have no clue. But I'm busy. I'm taking care of mine. I'm praying for myself. Say a quick little prayer for you and I'm about my, you know, out the door, getting ready to do my thing. You know, God bless you, sister. Gotta run. You good, brother? Call me. <laughs> Galatians 6 and 2. Just give me that, just that verse, Keisha. I hope you got that isolated. Good. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then give me verse 5. Same chapter. For every man shall bear his own burden. Two burdens. Amen. Now, the first thing I noticed a week ago, a couple weeks ago, actually, when I was going through this passage, is verse 2 is telling us to bear one another's burdens, right? 
while verse 5 is saying every man shall bear, bear his own burden. Ah, interesting. You notice that? Is there a paradox or a contradiction? Well, as I said before last week, if you're going to use the King James, you got to dig. And I prefer the King James. I don't like to miss stuff. I don't trust everybody's version. However, there are some trustable versions out there, I personally believe. But you got to dig. You got to look in the Word. Amen? Amen? The thing is, the Eden, uh, the, the English version of the same word is different when it comes to the meaning of the Greek. Okay? And these words are not words I would, I don't even want to butcher them or try to pronounce them. My wife told me a long time ago, stop trying to pronounce Greek words. You don't, you're not getting it. Just let it go. <laughs> Just let it go. Just tell us what it means, Pastor. Just tell us what, what that means, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. In verse 2, the word burden means difficulties. Okay? Just kind of expounding on where I was last week. Difficulties. But in verse 5, the word means responsibilities. I bear the burden of responsibility. I have a burden that is difficult for me. You see the two differences? Okay? Same word, but they are not the same meaning. Okay? So verse 2 again. Back to Galatians 6, 2, Keisha. For every one, uh, bear, bear ye one another's burdens, rather. Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear the difficulties, the shortcomings, or as I put it last week, the besetting sins, right? And so for the law of Christ. Uh, the sins that we can easily get into that are habits for us. The sins that we can easily get into that are heavy. For us. Last week's sermon was bearing the heavy load or carrying the heavy load, lifting the heavy load, right? All right? So uh, the, 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 they're heavy. They're too heavy for us. They're difficult for you and I to stay away from. They're things that, you know, I got my, my own personal sins. And these sins, you know, they kind of they got my name on it. You know? When I think of a certain sin, I think of so-and-so. <laughs> they struggle with that, Right? There are besetting sins. Hard for us to stay away from. And God is telling the church here to bear the burden. God is telling the church he wants each of us to help each other out with these sins. He never intended for us to bear them alone. Pastor, this is too heavy for me. I can't lift it. Okay, before we get to the pastor, sister so-and-so that I trust who's walking in the spirit. This is too heavy for me. I need you to lift this for me. What is it, sweetie? Well, I smoke too much. I do whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff. It's hard for me to get it. I've been delivered from it. I'm not doing it, but it's always right at my door. I've got to stay too, you know, two steps ahead of that thing. And if I don't, it'll be like, oh, man, you heard about Jamie? Yeah, he done gone down. Okay. So we bear one another's burdens, okay? Well, and I said it again, I'll just use this analogy real briefly, because the hand is connected to the arm, and the hand is not going around just lifting stuff by itself. It needs the muscle to, I grab onto something, but the strength is coming from here. 
So what he's saying basically, the hand is too weak by itself. So we have the body of Christ to help each other to lift these sins off of me so I don't succumb to these things. Right? Amen. All right. Here, I say that because I, 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 I want us to see the need for connection with the body. Wake up. The connection with the body of Christ. Not as it pertains to, can you spot me five dollars? Can, can you pay a bill for me? We have that in Corinthians. That's true. But what, this is really talking about in Galatians 6 and 2, when it comes to bearing one another's burdens, it's talking about pertaining or pertaining to battling sin. Are you hearing me? Yes, I might need a help, some help with a bill. But as your fellow church member, I really need you to kind of spot me with this weight of sin. Because I want to take a drink and I know I shouldn't. Need you to help me with this. Okay? That's what it means to bear specifically in context. All right? The church bears burdens by forgiving each other's sin. Amen? By reconciling each other back to God after we've fallen into sin. By restoring each other to our proper place after we've repented and been restored and fallen into sin, repairing the damage that was caused by us or someone else after we've been in sin, encouraging one another to get back in step with the Spirit after we have sinned, protecting each other from future lapses by foreseeing and preventing each other from going right back into sin. Are you seeing it? Uh We do this by creating an environment whether in the fellowship hall with the church, in a church building, or in our homes, when we've invited people in our homes, or eating chicken at a restaurant after service, we partner with Jesus in the phrase of, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What do you mean by that? The church partners with Jesus in leading the church away from temptation and having deliverance over the evil. Are you seeing that? Amen? It should not be that every time I come in contact with you that you take me back down memory lane. Where I'm reintroduced to all the things that Jesus delivered me from. You know? Sister so-and-so, we know you have a problem with gossip. So as soon as we go to, you know, to to the restaurant, we pull out our... (laughs) Our chicken, we pouring salt over the chicken and we're talking about so-and-so's relationship with her husband. That's not what you do. You know I have a sexual issue where I, you know, came from being sexually depraved, you know, you know and there's certain things I should kind of stay away from. You don't, on the way to the restaurant, put on an old Prince record. I have a problem with stealing. You don't talk, you don't come up and say, you know, I read in the article this week, did you see that thing where they said that the man got away, they robbed the bank, the Bank of America, they robbed the Bank of America, and the person sitting there struggling. Oh, really? How, how much did they get? <laughs> you just bring it up, just get cavalier. Just <laughs> that is not the environment where we help people Stay away from sin. I'm talking about doing all that I can to lift the heavy load 
Because Jesus says it's too heavy for you. You have a sin problem, I have a sin problem. So Jesus wants us to be real with each other? Amen? Uh, you know, why? Because, you know, once I take off my big Kojic church hat and put my big Bible down, the truth of the matter is, any given day this week, I could struggle with something. And, and here's the thing. It would be good if I had your help. I help you and you help me. Next week it might be your turn. So, so the idea here is that we help each other with sin. Okay, we've gone through that. So now let's move a little bit further. Verse 3, Galatians 6 and 3. If a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. Okay, back up. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help people out with their sin and so fulfill the law of Christ. Lift the heavy load of sin that they are so easily trapped by and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you're thinking you're too good for that, <laughs> if you think you're all that, then you're deceiving yourself. If you think you're something when you're actually nothing, that's what it says. You deceive yourself. The best way for me to give you context to this scripture is to load up another scripture. Give me Luke 18. Luke 18, let's go into 10, 12, yeah. Okay, so Jesus is talking about, you know, this self-righteous attitude and thinking you're better than the people and miscalculating your own spiritual aptitude. <laughs> okay, and he's basically saying, he tells a story. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, I've used this scripture before, adulterers. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. Okay? And then, then he starts throwing out how wonderful he is. By the way, I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of my income. You know, I'm connected with you, God. I am not as bad as this other person. Okay? I'm certainly not as bad as this tax collector. There are two things that I want you to see here. There's a man who thinks that he is better than others in his community. So let's put that in our church. You know, um, my sins are, in my opinion, not as bad as yours. So I'm praising God while Sister Pastor or Keisha or Ruth are singing, and I'm thanking God. Woo! Man, at least I'm not like, you know, you and the other person. And I'm proud about that. Amen? And so the issue here is more than me having a conceited mindset and attitude, there's this heart attitude that's not eager to help anybody because I'm too busy looking down. On anybody, on everybody else. I don't, I'm not eager to lift a finger to help your sin burden because I think mine is so much lighter. 
Oh, help me, Lord. The person's, the other person's sin that I'm so busy looking at makes me feel better about myself. It almost sounds as if I am glad that that person is stuck in that burden. Why? Because, you know, when I come to church, I need my ego boosted. So I'm kind of glad that you're struggling. Why? Because now I can feel better about myself. The person is not only self-righteous, the person is conceited. But not only conceited, the person is completely and totally useless in helping anybody else out in the kingdom. Are you hearing me? And by having this attitude where they are inaccurately exalting themselves and looking down on others, they place themselves too high to get anybody else to help them with their sin. So because I'm way up here, and I consider you to be way down there, when I get trouble, I'm too far away to get any help when I'm struggling with my stuff. If any man think that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Okay? And here's the whole purpose. Here's the point of, of, of the Lord teaching us this. Remember, these besetting sins, as I said last week, are they, they're just in case you think you can handle it, they're too heavy for you. You're not spiritual superwoman or superman. That's just not what's happening. We have a body that is made for the purpose of helping each other out with, watch this, the sins, as I said last week, that we are willing to be transparent about. Okay? Remember, the besetting sins are not to be dealt with alone. Let me give you another example. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, verses 1 through 5. Just want to loosely use this as an example so you can understand something about weakness. And being deceived, <laughs> thinking you all that. Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Hello, somebody. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs, okay? The wife gives authority over her body to the husband, and the husband gives authority of his body over to, you know, you get it? His wife. Verse 5 is the kicker. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. If you're not all over each other, you need to be all up in God. All, you know what I'm saying, praying about God and praying to God and talking to God. If you're not going to be with your wife in a very intimate self, it's setting, you should be intimate with God. Those are your restrictions. That's your, that's your parameters. Those are the boundaries. Why is it so tight? Pastor, so you want to give yourself completely prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you. Because of your lack of self-control. He's saying you're not Superman. He's saying you're not superwoman. There's a command here, saints of God, to bear the burden for each other in the area of marriage. Why? Because you're weak. 
because you're not strong enough to battle the temptations that the devil has waiting for you. So many people I know have wanted a husband or a wife and didn't realize that they were there to help each other in the area of the burden that comes in the bedroom. Oh, it's quiet in this church. It's just uncomfortable, I'm telling you. There's a burden. Amen? You're human beings, you're people. Okay? And the marriage got into trouble because people signed up for something that they weren't ready to be responsible for. And the marriage ended or suffered unnecessary damage because of neglect or thinking that they were both strong enough to abstain. Not realizing that it's not a coincidence that whenever there's a marriage problem, there's always somebody on the other side, on the outside, always available to meet the spouse's need if you ain't ready to meet it. You ever notice that? That's not coincidence. You know what that's called? Satan. And your weakness. You just ran into so-and-so? Really? I did good my groceries, get some popcorn and some tea and, and then, oh hi! I ain't seen you in years! What you doing over here? You just moved back today? <laughs> That's not a coincidence, people. That is a setup of the devil and the weakness of our flesh. So the Bible says, listen, resolve the issue. Fix the marital problem. Go to counseling. Put on some Luther Vandross. Whatever you got to do, get back in that bedroom. Because there's a demon assigned to every marriage that wants to destroy every marriage. And it wants to, watch this, destroy your Christian testimony. That's what he's really after. Okay? He, he wants, wants your family all messed up, wants your kids damaged and going to counseling. Huh? We don't have the luxury to be so mad at one another in our marriages to where we think that our spouse is not as good as us or we're better than our spouse. And then we start holding back to the point to where we are not lifting the burden and leaving them out there for the devil to just go, aha! Where your wife at, bruh? Where your, where, your, where your husband at, sister? Okay? I tell people all the time when I counsel couples that if you're too busy to get busy, then you need to schedule busy. That's real. Why? Because there's a devil out there. And he wants to destroy your marriage. So, you know, hey, how's Friday at 3 o'clock working for you? Sounds good. I'll meet you there. All right. Looking forward to seeing you. That's real. That's real. I got that from a counselor. Okay? So, here. Pause. So here we see the first part of bearing the difficulties, bearing the sin, helping each other so we don't have future setbacks and lapses, okay? Lifting the load for each other so we're not tempted 
to fall into sin. Now here's the second part. Verse 4, Galatians 6 and 4. Every Christian has a load or a duty that we are to perform. And we, and we alone, are held responsible for that load. And we cannot shirk that responsibility on somebody else. We can't place that load on someone else. Verse 4 says, but let every man prove, test, test, prove his own work. What are you saying? Paul is saying there's an assignment that we are all given by God. It is our duty, our responsibility, our burden. And we are to bear that burden alone. Amen? John 17, 4, Jesus says this, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Amen? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus came to make us right with God. Jesus did heal the sick. Jesus did raise the dead. Jesus did pay even taxes. Jesus did make sandwiches for thousands of people. But that was not his primary work. His work was that he would restore our relationship, reconcile man back to God. Why? Because we had all sinned. We had all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short of the standard of God. We have all messed up. We, have all, we all have imperfect records, do we not? Amen? So Jesus make my life better. Jesus do this for me. Jesus do that for me. Well, yeah, I want to help you. But that's not my primary goal here. My primary goal here is there's a very perfect father that I am one with. And I know he's displeased with sin. And he will wipe out anything that's not perfect. So if you're not perfect, you're going to need me. You're going to need my works. You're going to need my, 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 my track record. You're going to need my salvation. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross for our sins. Because we have all messed up. We've all done things that are not right. So his primary work was not just to make us comfortable. His primary work, saints of God, was to get us right back with God the Father because we messed up. And if we think we're going to face God in our own sins with our own track record, think again. Jesus came for a reason. He came to save us from our sins. Amen? And we all needed salvation. We all needed that grace. We could never earn it. Jesus just gave it. And where would we be without that grace? Where would we be without that forgiveness? Where would we be if Jesus Christ had not accomplished his goal and finished his work to the point to where he said, it is finished. I've done what I've come to do. I've finished the work. The price is paid. I shed my blood. Amen? Amen. So if you don't know Jesus today, I, 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 I plead with you. Don't go to God with your credit rating. I'm going to be very honest with you. Mine sucks and so does yours. You need the salvation of Jesus Christ. You need his perfect righteousness. He is the spotless lamb. He is the perfect sacrifice for your sins. 
and only Jesus Christ, who is God, would know how to please God. You cannot do it on your own. So we thank God for that grace. We thank God for that goodness. Amen? The work of the church, Jesus Christ did the work. So it is with the church. What's the work that you've come to do? What's, what has God assigned you to? What's your burden? Ah. What's the work of the church, huh? Yes, that's, I'm glad you're involved in the feeding program. But if you've given them the gospel, come on, that's real. That's real. It's the salvation of souls. It's the preaching of the gospel. This will include meeting the immediate need, yes. But the primary work of the church is to use whatever gift that God has given you to point them to the truth. So the people will grow in Christ. So people will be saved from the wrath of hell that we all deserve. That's the biggest and greatest gift that anybody can give anybody. Give them the truth. Amen? So, back to Galatians 6 and 4. Oh, I'm jumping around here, but help me, Lord. Galatians 6 and 4. But let every man prove his or test his own work. Amen? And then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You will have peace as a Christian believer with God knowing that you have done or you are busy doing your assignment. You hear me? You will have peace and not anxiety with God knowing that you have done what he has called you to do. Being the vessel he's called you to be. Being the servant of God he's called you to be. Huh? Telling people the truth. Praying for the folks. Living a holy life in front of people. Ministering the gospel. Not just for the pastor, but for the church. In your own field of, your own, your own field of, of influence, wherever you are. I'm busy about my father's, come on, Jamie. I'm busy about my father's business. That's what, I, that's what I'm here to do. Amen? You will not suffer anxiety. Anxiety, what's it say? Rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You will not suffer anxiety because you're comparing yourself to what somebody else is doing. Amen? You will not suffer anxiety saying to yourself, well, I'm not like so-and-so. I don't do but God gave gifts to people, and he didn't give you the same thing he gave somebody else. The question is, are you using it? What are you doing with what he gave you? Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Almost done. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other. Using themselves as a standard of measurement. He says, how ignorant. William McDonald says this, and I just leave you with this quote real quick. The apostle points out that we will be examined individually and not in comparison with others at the judgment seat of Christ. Woo. Therefore, we should take heed to ourselves so that we might be able to rejoice in our own work and not in the failures of others. Basically, you're not going to get up there and say, well, Lord, I was doing a little bit better than so-and-so. Because look at him. No, that's not how that works. Philippians 3, 3 and 12. 
Philippians 3 and 12. Just give me a little more proof here. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I'm not perfect, but Christ is the standard. Other people are not the standard. I don't care what you think about my work, and you shouldn't care what I think about your work. The question is, is what does Jesus think about it? Are you hearing me? I don't look at someone else's life and their work and what they're doing for God and determine that I am better or worse than them. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the ultimate standard. I'm looking to Jesus. Amen? I want to do right by him. I want, to be, I want Jesus to be pleased with whatever I do. Amen? I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing. I'm pressing towards that mark. I'm risking everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not resting on my prior achievements of yesterday. I'm not looking at you and what you've done. Every man must give an account for his own work and not be in comparison with somebody else. Are you hearing me? Amen. People drive me crazy. They, you know, come up to me, figure out my last name. Oh, Jamie Hawkins, I think I heard about you. Can you sing like your mama? No. <laughs> well, how about your dad? No. What about your uncle Evan? No. But I'm going to take whatever I got and use it for the glory of God. And when I get to Jesus, Jesus is going to judge me for what I sounded like, what I did, what I... Are you hearing me, saints? A lot of us discredit ourselves because we're looking at somebody else. And a lot of us overestimate ourselves because we're looking down on somebody else. He said, you're going to be judged for your own work. Ah, uh, hear me, saints. Amen. Romans 10, uh, Romans 14 and 12. Just two more scriptures and I'm, and I'm done. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Verse 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. 1 Corinthians 3 and 8. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians 3 and 8. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. What do you say? In community, saints, we need each other to bear one another's burdens. And guess who's watching? God. We lift in the heavy load, making sure that we don't cause someone to stumble by our life. Not only that, in the community, we are working together. But you're responsible for your work, and I'm responsible for mine. And we can't sit up here and shirk the responsibility and say, well, you know, my grandmother was an evangelist, so, you know, hey. I get grafted in on her work. No, Jesus is looking at your work. You know? Like in the back of the day, when we used to see a choir of folks singing, and if one person wasn't singing, stop everything! What's wrong with you? And we take a mic and put it in their face. Sing it up. Uh-huh. You're shirking. 
putting all the responsibility on the mother sopranos. We're going to need you to do your own work. You follow me? You getting that? We're going to need you to do your own work. And God is judging whether or not we are causing people to stumble by our lives, whether or not we are lifting the burden for others, and whether or not we are doing the work that God has assigned us to do. There are burdens, two burdens. Amen? There are burdens that are assigned to the church. Amen? There are burdens that are assigned to the church. Paul believed, last statement, that God alone has the power to establish the kingdom of God. Amen? That's true. Everybody agree with that? And Paul also believed that God will often choose his people to do this through. See the balance? The glory for the success of the church belongs to God and God alone. And God will also enlist his people who are his church body to assist him. Not because he needs us, but because he knows it's best for us to be about our father's business. Amen? And the business that we are about is lifting burdens. Amen? Lifting burdens. These are the assigned burdens to the church. I'm done. I hope you received that word, and I hope that you, if you do not know Christ, that you will receive the truth of this gospel. Amen. I hope you will not die in your sins. You do not have to die in your sins. Amen. Amen. There were 3,000 added in one day because they all came at the same time to the understanding. Wait a minute. We have sinned against God. We have sinned against God. And now that we are in the church... We are assigned to do certain things in the church. It is not just to help people out with money and all that. That's good, and we should do that. But in Galatians here, in the sixth chapter, it's talking about lifting the burden of sin and also being responsible for our own burden, amen, which is our responsibility and our duties unto God, amen. We don't want to go up there and show up, Lord, I didn't do nothing that you gave me. We don't want that, okay? That would be a harsh judgment.